Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. We are continuing the sacred mailbag. Alex, what are we getting into this time? We are going to talk about who the Knicks might look to if they move on from Tom Thibodeau. Big question coming into this year. What happens with the three open roster spots? Yeah, little known fact, the Knicks do have three open roster spots still. So something else to consider there. Uh, And a bunch of other... Uh, other fun little questions that we're going to get into to end the show, uh, including favorite Knicks bars and me ranting about Comcast, still not carrying the Knicks. So that's all coming up next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. We want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day because we are available on all platforms. That includes seen their smiling faces yet on youtube if you haven't subscribed yet on youtube please go ahead and do that or just subscribe wherever you get uh your favorite podcast or better yet do both but who's talking to you i am gavin shawl a play-by-play broadcaster he is alex wolf editor-in-chief of the strickland the greatest darn knicks website out there you can check them out on social media at the strick.land and alex we're chugging along it's 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 a bag week for us uh taking all of your questions and the first one i'm I'm almost surprised uh, when we've done mailbags over the summers that we haven't gotten more on this topic. All right. And our first question comes from D. Uh, and then there are just two lines. So maybe D the second, Don David, or, or maybe the two lines just indicate that there are, there are two more Ds coming. Who's to say? <laughs> Anyways, he wants to know, if the Knicks decide to move past Tibbs, who would you want to coach this team? Uh, Alex, I, I took kind of an optimistic view that the Knicks would be able to sway some coaches from other teams. But before I get into that, uh, who, who are you thinking of for this one? I actually would just go in-house, if I'm being honest. I would go with Johnny Bryan. I mean, I I don't know. I feel like it's that move is slowly but surely losing its luster. Like, part of the, the excitement with that was like, oh, Johnny Bryan and Donovan Mitchell are super tight. So, like... You know, maybe this would either get Mitchell to the Knicks or give Mitchell like a hand-picked coach right away, sort of, or, you know, whatever. But regardless, he's been a rising star since before he got to the Knicks. I mean, the Knicks just happened to be the team that gave him like that next step in his coaching career, uh, going from just being, you know, like a position coach to being like a lead assistant. Uh, now, at this point, I'm like, you know, I... I guess my main thing is I don't want to get another coach that's already coached for a long amount of time somewhere else. I just feel that almost never works. And like it worked with the Knicks for the one year with Tibbs. And I I do think, you know, all credit to Tibbs for setting them up with like a good defensive identity. But I think it's been pretty obvious that they don't have any offensive identity under Tibbs and they really need to try something new there. So in that respect, you know, I don't want to like, start hearing like, oh, the Knicks are moving on from Tibbs. Could Mike D'Antoni make a second stint with the with the Knicks or whatever? You know, like I even though I'm pretty sure he signed somewhere already. But um was it isn't he the Charlotte coach now or something? I don't know. But you know that that's just the name that I always think of. Like I don't want another scenario like that where it's it's just another coach that's 
coached a billion other places. Honestly, even like Kenny Atkinson at this point, even though he was like a big name that was brought up the last time that the Knicks had a coaching vacancy and was apparently the the very close runner up to Tibbs. I even with him, I'd be like, you know, I, I just feel like it's been there, done that. Like, give me a fresh coach here. Give me someone like that's like an equivalent of like a Nick Nurse, you know, that has not coached yet in the NBA and is just trying to make their mark, uh, you know, as a head coach and and has bright new ideas and wants to try new things. I think Johnny Bryant would also just be a good fit in the sense of like, if the Knicks are actually going towards a youth movement, he's fairly young himself. So I think that he would have the respect of the locker room and the respect of all the players, whether they're veterans or not, because he has some veterans that really love him too. Like notably, you know, Donovan Mitchell apparently is very close with Damian Lillard, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I, I think Bryant would be my answer, and I, I don't even know that I'd have to go outside the organization, but who would you go with? Yeah, so it's, it's this interesting thing, right? Because I actually, in some ways, have a lot of trust in the organization to get the right guy, and that sounds weird as someone who has, has spent the past year just ripping Tom Thibodeau and, and saying over and over again that it, it's lunacy, that he still has a job. But as I, I think you agree with, and I think most people who watch this team agree with, the guy can coach, right? Like, I, I have issues with his rotations, but in terms of his actual strategy, uh, no questions about what he does defensively. Offensively, I have my issues, but I, I think at points, um, the, his style works. But the main reason I say that is because you can just you can go through the list of people that the Knicks brought in last time around to talk to, and it looks pretty good in retrospect. And maybe it was just because they casted a wide net, but Jason Kidd, who did uh, was I would argue like a, a legitimate coach of the year candidate. This past year for the Dallas Mavericks did a great job with them. Um, Ime Adoka, who led the Boston Celtics to the NBA Finals. Boy, that would have been great if the Knicks had stuck with him. Uh, Will Hardy, who came from the Jazz, is now, or who came from the Spurs, uh, went to the Celtics, became a rising star, and is now the head coach for the Utah Jazz. That would have been a good hire. Uh, Jamal Mosley uh, was also in the mix, who's now the head coach of the Orlando Magic. Uh, you can go on and on and on, but a lot of these candidates, um, a lot of the guys that the Knicks passed up on for Tibbs, would have been really good hires. Um, so in, in, in a perfect world, if those guys were still available, those were the types of people I'd want the Knicks to go after. But given that they're not, I, I think the first play that I would make would, would be, I guess it's the opposite direction that you suggested, but would be to throw around some of that New York prestige and see if someone is is tempted by getting to coach at MSG, getting to be the person that brings back the Knicks. Because I'm looking at coaches who are in objectively better situations in terms of their player personnel Guys like Chris Finch, who I, I think is maybe the most creative offensive mind in the NBA, or at least in that conversation, um, coaching the Minnesota Timberwolves. And the only reason I could see him wanting out is if the Go Bear Cat kind of doesn't work. And it just sort of seems like Minnesota is going to be it's going to be one of those situations where it's like, oh, this guy's good, but we got to fire someone because we're, we're not breaking through. So we just have to do it, even if no one else would do better. Um, I feel that same way about Willie Green with the Pelicans. I, I just I was really impressed by the job he did in that playoff series against the Suns, having them competitive uh, despite the fact that there was no Zion Williamson. Uh, Ty Lue would be a dream hire. I don't see any world where he leaves the Clippers and Palmer's just going to pay him whatever he wants. Uh, J.B. Bickerstaff, similar with the Cavs, where I, I just think what he's done defensively with that group, and it, it's, it's kind of exactly what we've been asking for out of Tibbs, right, where we're saying right, Obi Julius maybe isn't perfect in in terms of their body types and are positionally, but just try it. It might work. 
that's basically what he's done with Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, and it's it's worked spectacularly. Um, and then my last guy was Kenny Atkinson. Um, I just I I think he'd be good. <laughs> I think um, he would actually prioritize the younger guys, and I think he was to some extent unfairly maligned in, in Brooklyn for. Um, I, I know by some other people I talked to when I was covering the Nets, just um, not necessarily having like the game awareness to be a great head coach. I, I figure a couple years under Steve Kerr would have improved that. So that, that's the core of my list. But Alex, maybe that's a little optimistic. Like, do, do you think New York still has that sway to, to take a head coach who's successful in a smaller market and say, hey, why don't you try to win here? Or on the other hand, does it still have that? Uh, I don't want to touch that situation with the 30 foot pole. I don't know. I just feel like there's not too many times anymore where you see a, a guy who already has a head coaching gig in the NBA take a different head coaching gig in the NBA like that. That I think just gets too messy from like a team relations perspective. I, I think they probably could go to someone like Finch in Minnesota and be like, yo, here's like a $3 million a year raise, but then Minnesota has to agree to let him out of his contract, which they probably wouldn't. Cause I feel like the only time in the NBA that that happens is teams will begrudgingly allow guys to do that. Even if they have like great assistance or whatever, they'll begrudgingly allow them to do that. Even though like, if you gave them truth serum and said like, like if you said to Utah a couple years ago, like with truth serum, like, do you want to let Johnny Bryant, uh, interview for a job with the Knicks, they would have been like, hell no. Like, <laughs> we don't want to let him interview. We want to keep him. Like, we have him under contract. But the reality is, is that in the NBA, you know, nobody's going to stop anybody from advancing their career. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can you could do that or you can get guys that were previous head coaches that aren't currently employed, I feel like. But I think that it gets a little messy if you try to poach a head coach that's already under contract because I just feel like, I can't even remember the last time that, that happened, like in the NBA. I, I don't know if you could think of an example, but like that, I just feel like would, it, that would be like the anti Leon Rose move to do something that would be like just inherently messy uh, in, in the press and whatever, as far as like, you know, some from the Timberwolves or whatever would immediately be coming out and being like, the Knicks tried to poach our active head coach. That's a no no. Like nobody does that. And then yeah. it would just paint the Knicks worse. I feel like they wouldn't go for anyone like that. Yeah, it seems like the standard now is if, if you're going to do that and the coach really wants to go, you got to include some kind of pick compensation. And yeah. I think I can't remember if that's actually happened since Doc Rivers, maybe maybe once, but but Doc Rivers is the one when he went to the Clippers, that's which true. was over 10 years ago at this point. Um, mm-hmm. But you, you you gave me an idea that I'll get into very quickly before we take a break. Uh, Quinn Snyder is one final name I'll throw out there for talking about former head coaches. I think he would do wonders for Knicks offensively. And to your point, maybe Johnny Bryant is kind of the best of both worlds because he got that exposure to Snyder in Utah. And, and Snyder, uh, I remember when Dallas came on him, and he was as someone who knows a lot more about basketball than, than me, at least. Um, he was ripping what Snyder did defensively while, while also saying, like, Mitchell arguably came from the best offensive context in the NBA. And, I mean, I, I think, as we've talked about this podcast, Donovan's fantastic, but the fact that Snyder – had that Utah team consistently um, at the top of the entire league in offense with without having multiple star players on offense is, is pretty telling to what kind of coach he is on that side of the floor. Um, and I think what he could do creatively with guys like IQ and OB and I think giving RJ more room to operate in, um, he's uh, someone I didn't think of initially, but someone I, I think I would have very high on my list eventually. 
Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting name to throw out there too. Maybe he's one of the one of the rare retreads that I wouldn't feel super bad about hiring because I also like the idea of what he could potentially do for Mitchell Robinson um, on defense, you know, and kind of turning him into more of the Rudy Gobert type player that we've always envisioned him being able to be. So I I don't dislike that idea at all. Uh, but we'll take a quick break, come back, and talk about the open roster spots that the Knicks still have, uh, which I'm sure we'll be talking about more as camp goes on, too. But a little preliminary discussion there. But first, uh, I just got to remind everybody, today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. Bet Online is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Uh, Gavin, I was looking at some lines here. I'm seeing the New York Jets are plus six and a half underdogs to the Cleveland Browns. I am not going to bet on the Jets against uh, Nick Chubb and uh, and Kareem Hunt after all the damage that they did last week, especially because those two guys are on my fantasy team. Uh, but Gavin, after a surprising week one win, your New York Giants are minus two favorites over the Carolina Panthers. How do you feel about that one? Uh, I kind of like the Panthers. I think the Giants are due for a letdown. Um, don't quite have the roster talent to match that that incredible week one win. But you know what? Brian Dabble works magic, so who knows? All right. Well, if you want to check out some more lines available, head to the website today, betonline.net, or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. And we're back to continue this mailbag. But first, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Which NBA player moves the betting line the most this season? <laughs> Give you a spoiler, no Knicks <laughs> on this one. Locked on in the Bet Online odds makers present the NBA top 50 most valuable players starting on September 19th. Find it on Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. All right, Gavin, we're continuing our questions here. Uh, to open up our second segment here, we have a question from one of our old pals, Yoram Lakaj, on Twitter. Uh, Yoram wants to know, what happens with the uh, – it's at Lakaj on Twitter. What happens with the three open roster spots? Who do you think gets those? Trade, free agents? That's a good question. Uh, I actually wonder if maybe they were leaving those spots open in case of a trade. <laughs> Because uh, it's not like the Knicks in the Leon Rose regime to have open roster spots, or really at any regime. It feels like they're always, we're always talking about like, all right, well, maybe there's like one roster spot open. But as of right now, it's two regular roster spots and one two-way spot are open. Uh, Gavin, you had you found some reporting on the two-way spot, and then maybe we could talk about the the regular spots after that. Yeah, so uh, there was a little news uh, out of yesterday that uh, Daquan Jeffries uh, was joining the Knicks on the Exhibit 10 um, offer. So he's going to compete against Gene Montero and Garrison Brooks. I think those were specifically for the Knicks' um, last two roster spots. And then I guess the uh, two-way would maybe be open to the loser of that competition or a younger player. I mean, my... My personal prediction would be that Montero is the guy who ends up on the two-way out of that group. 
And I'm kind of surprised that I, I didn't realize Garrison Brooks was available. Like, I'm not sure if people realize this, but the guy was like, he was the rotation player all of last season for the Rockets. And I guess for whatever reason, they felt like he didn't show enough to earn a roster spot there. Um, but we're talking about someone who was, um, unless this is a different. Oh, no, no. I'm, uh, I'm thinking, you know what it is? I'm thinking of Garrison Matthews. I, I got my Garrisons confused. Uh, Garrison Brooks was, was a player uh, out of uh, North Carolina in the last couple of years who, oh, yeah, and Mississippi State, uh, who just graduated. Um, and he averaged uh, 10 points per game as a super senior. You see, we're, we're, we're living on the job here. All right, so it's going to be one of those three guys, Garrison Matthews comments. But I, I would say Gene Montero out of that group is the one who ends up with the two-way. Would be my one prediction. And Dupont Jeffries, uh, someone who's, who's flashed in the past for a couple of different teams with some superb athleticism. Yeah, I, I mean, who would have thought there would be more than one Garrison in the NBA at one time, though? So I, didn't. I, I don't blame Not that. me. Not me. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's going to be Montero on the other two-way deal, too. I was actually kind of surprised, given his like draft pedigree and the amount that they then featured him in Summer League, which actually was a pretty tough tough nut to crack uh, as a player. You know, like I was kind of surprised that he uh, didn't get the two-way locked up right away. I guess maybe they're leaving the door open that Farron Hunt could still get the two-way as well. Um, as far as I know, they just didn't renew him for this upcoming season. And he had a really good summer league showing. I would imagine he's going to get a camp invite as well. So, you know, I, I could potentially see Farron Hunt ending up with the other two-way or ending up with one of the two roster spots. I guess if we're talking about veteran names, the two that jump out to me, I mean, I don't feel like the Knicks are going to make a huge investment in anybody else at this point, but uh, Mello is always going to come up as long as he's still an active player and as long as Leon Rose is still captaining the ship here with the Knicks and Mello's still a free agent. I think there's a, a decent chance that Mello could end up coming back to the Knicks for like a goodbye tour. I think that would work a lot better if the Knicks got rid of Julius Randle and Mello could sort of serve as like Obi Toppin's backup. But knowing how things go with the Knicks and with Tibbs and everything else, Mello would probably get signed and then be playing the three in a lineup with like, I don't know, it would be like, like Derrick Rose, Evan Fournier, Carmelo, Julius Randle, and and Mitch or something. And Mitch would only be because he begrudgingly does not have an old man center to throw out there uh, out of position. So, um, but yeah, perhaps Melo, I, who I would actually love if they brought in in the proper context as like a backup four behind Obi Toppin. Uh, and then maybe like Lou Williams, I believe he's still on the market. IQ loves him. IQ's called Lou Will like literally like one of his idols. So if you want to promote the development of IQ and give him someone that's kind of done a little bit of everything uh, and won multiple six man of the year awards, which sort of seems like that's what the Knicks view IQ as potentially, maybe that's a good mentor for him uh, and can set him on a good career path there. Not that he's not already on a good career path, but you know, someone that he, he really looks up to, I think would be valuable to bring to the team. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the the mellow again a world where Randall was off the team, mellow would be perfect because it's this great combination of someone who, to your point, can can mentor the younger Knicks and and Obi Toppin in particular. Like I would I, not not that I want Obi ever making a a primary component of his game the signature uh, double jab uh, contested eighteen footer, but having a little bit of that uh, would certainly diversify his attack offensively and. 
I think at this point, Mello prop, I mean, again, you give him true serum, he'd say I should be out there for six minutes uh, helping a team compete for a championship. But you, you, uh, you, you say, all right, but like, what do you, how good do you really think you are at this point? And say, all right, I should probably play like 15, 16 minutes a game. So Mello in that sense would be perfect. And he would also, he would, I, I think, be a, a part of a really deadly Knicks bench unit. I mean, assuming they keep most of the current guys they have there intact, some combination of Rose, Fournier, um, IQ, Reddish, Mello, and Hartenstein, like five of those six guys. There's just a lot of intriguing and complimentary skills there. You have a lot of ball handling. You have uh, tons of shooting once you have Fournier and Mello out there. You have Hartenstein who can kind of protect them behind those guys as somewhat iffy defenders. Um, I think there's something really interesting there. Obviously, right now, it looks like Obi's going to be there, and that's even better. But in a world where Julius is off the team, you upgrade Obi to the starting lineup. I, I think Melo could slot in beautifully with that group, and it would it would not only be nostalgic, like they would kind of be playing, I think, a style very similar to the 12-13 team. So that would that would that would double down on the nostalgia, and you, and you get like you just get a little 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 flashbacks of that on the next team that could be really fun. So that would be uh, super cool in my mind. But Alex, let's step aside one more time, come back with one final question um and uh yeah we will wrap up next on locked on Knicks. all right guys we are back uh third and final segment um let's let's go through a couple of rapid fire ones alex we we got a few via email this one came from peter rokos and he said hey guys great podcast huge fan uh, question I want you to hit in the mailbag. Can you give me any info or update on Comcast and its MSG dispute in New Jersey? And for others, we can't get the Knicks or hockey without adding other streaming services in top, on top of Comcast. If there is no news, can you at least give me a rant on how insane it is that I can't watch the Knicks last year and it looks like again next year? Alex, you live in New Jersey. Take it away. I've, I'm intimately familiar with this struggle. So if anyone that's listening is in New Jersey and is dealing with the crap of Comcast and Xfinity, uh, having an over year long dispute with MSG Network is just insane. I've never seen anything like this because normally these sort of things, it's like scare tactics. Like they'll pull the you know network for like preseason or whatever. And then once the season gets rolling, both sides come to a compromise and they, you know, come to a right steal, and then all of a sudden you get your your channel back. That literally never happened with the Knicks last year, which is just again insanity that Comcast would let that happen and like also not give a a requisite like bill adjustment for the amount of sports you're losing for that. It was a load of crap. Um, I wound up going to a former sponsor. I guess I'll give them a little free advertisement: Directv Stream. So. If you're like me and you're a Knicks and Mets fan, it's kind of your only option uh, because it's the only one that carries both MSG and SNY. There are plenty of options for the Yankees fans out there that carry MSG and yes, I think uh, Fubo TV is one of those. I did a lot of research into these. You could also just go and get like traditional satellite. Um, but what I wound up doing was just like bumping up my Xfinity internet speeds and then uh, getting the better or getting the direct TV package. So I have like faster internet and I have streaming cable now and it works out pretty good. So I would definitely recommend direct TV stream to anyone that got shafted by Xfinity. Uh, next question comes from Alex uh, with a smiley face at anxious and one on Twitter. Alex wants to know 
Which would you prefer? One, the Knicks make the playoffs for three years and always lose in the first round. Or two, the Knicks only make the playoffs once in the next five years, but they make the conference finals. Uh, Gavin, with this one, I had a, a... It's funny, you mentioned the 12-13 team in the last segment, and that was the first thing that came to my mind when this question came up. I, I think it would be tempting to say that they make the playoffs for three years and always lose in the first round because it's like, oh, you always get playoff basketball. And like maybe the implication there is that one of those series would be like a seven-gamer that would be kind of exciting or something. But I think for me, the only answer is they make the playoffs once in the next five years, but they make the conference finals. With this particular team, a conference finals team is enough to deify you for, I mean, we're still talking about the 12-13 team on now the 10-year anniversary of it, and they only made the second round and lost in six. So what would we do if a team made the, the conference finals? Probably talk about them for at least 10, if not 15 years. So I'm going to go with the conference finals over the the three straight one-and-done appearances. Yeah, I'm with you, though. It, it's tough. I mean, to think of this team only making the playoffs once in the next five years is is kind of brutal because the implication there, especially let's just say that conference finals came in the first season, like to, to think that the next four years we're, we're just going to be rebuilding. That means that something went really wrong in terms of that process. Like to me, the implication there is that RJ, IQ or OB like either got completely stunted in their development or had some horrible injury or, or left the team because it, it feels crazy to think that, um, that they somehow put a group together that can make it all the way to the conference finals. And then they wouldn't even reach the playoffs any of those other years. So to me, that's sort of terrifying, but I still have to pick that because the worst thing you can do in the NBA is be the team that perennially makes it to, into the playoffs and loses in the first round over and over and over again. I mean, we just saw that with the Orlando Magic, who to me were the the epitome of kind of like NBA purgatory over the last couple of seasons. And now, look, they're, they're kind of on this trajectory now where, where they revamped. And by the time they um, make the playoffs again. And I, I don't believe this. I think they'll make the playoffs either this season or next season, maybe. Like, I, I, I'm actually really high on them. But maybe it will be three years before they make the playoffs again. But when they do, they'll have a really strong base with a Paolo Bancaro, a Franz Wagner, Jonathan Isaac, Wendell Carter, and whoever else they add with future picks. And given how tough the East is, I can see the world where the Knicks kind of do the same thing and slowly but surely build their way up because the optimistic take on this is that conference finals is coming in that fifth year. And it's a product of years and years and years, unfortunately, of the Knicks continuing to draft in the lottery and presumably at some point finally striking gold, finding their own version of a Donovan Mitchell. Maybe if they're really lucky, finding their own version of a Luka Doncic. And then they're set to be contenders for years going forward. So I, I think to me that both of these scenarios sound kind of miserable, honestly, but that's the one with higher upside. I think I did just talk myself a smidge into the three first round exits one because my thought with that is sort of like what you were just saying. The the one has a five-year trajectory. So, yeah, maybe that's assuming that then the Knicks make it after five years. I guess the three straight years of the playoffs, if we're starting it this year, would mean that there's room for upward expansion in that fourth year and beyond. So maybe you could end up, if you do the three years in the first round, maybe they gain enough playoff experience and get good enough to make it to the conference finals in a couple of years after that. I don't know. It's a lot to think about. But I think just in a vacuum, I would take the the one conference finals appearance just because, again, we both know how, how long 
that can uh, that amount of goodwill can last. Uh, our next question comes from one of our buddies on Twitter, Ignacio at Ignacio Lobergat on Twitter. Uh, this is a, this is an interesting one, and uh, it's going to bring so much shame to me admitting what mine is. Do you have any game day meals you guys enjoy having, or do you guys have any go to game day meals? Uh, been a while since a food question, I think. Uh, so, Gavin, I'll throw it to you first. Do you have a, a go to game day meal? I usually go pasta. Like I want, I want something I can do pretty quickly because I'm usually remembering like 20 minutes before the start of the game. Oh crap. I should probably eat. So I'm going, going pasta because that's quick and I can, it's like pretty easy to make it like heavy. And, and look, that's game nights, long nights for us. You watch the game. We do our little quick reaction after we do a pod. Uh, one of us is going to slay it, edit the video, edit the audio. So I, I think it's going to carry me through the night. And usually, usually that's pasta, but where do you go, Alex? It brings me much shame to admit this. I mean, I will say sometimes just pizza from my local pizza shop, but honestly, Domino's is a huge guilty pleasure for me. Mm. On nights like a game night, I love just being able to like order it like at the beginning of the game. It shows up like maybe partway through the second quarter or something, and then I can just kind of like eat that all night. <laughs> and it's crappy, crappy pizza, but man, I it's good. It's good junk food. I would strongly recommend the. Uh, the pan pizza that they do. That's one of my favorites. It's just like greasy and delicious. And um, it's not to be clear. It's not real pizza. Like I wouldn't, if someone was like, Oh, rank your favorite pizzas. Like Domino's isn't anywhere close to the list, but as far as favorite junk food, it's way up there. It's one of like, I consider it like a fast food. Like I would put it in the same categories like Wendy's or McDonald's or whatever. And in that respect, it's one of my favorites. So I think I think Domino's another free advertisement. What am I doing today? You got to make Domino's pay. You're giving them, giving away a lot of money, Alex. <laughs> yeah, seriously, God, they know what this is worth. I got to call them up. I'm going to post bill them. I'll, I'll invoice them. <laughs> anyway, we got one last question here. This comes to us from Matthew Hillier via email, uh, and Matthew says, "I still haven't missed a pod. Love listening on my daily morning commute." And Matthew's uh, uh, talking to us from across the pond too, so. Uh, in scotland so crazy stuff always cool to hear and thank you matthew for listening and never missing a pod that's crazy uh matthew says i booked a flight a couple months ago to new york city for the only dates i could make in december 14th to 20th and the schedule was very unkind to me three away games during that time i'm devastated my plan instead is to do a tour of msg and then watch a knicks game in a proper knicks bar so my question is, what bars would you recommend to watch a Knicks game in? I might even wear my Scottish kilt. Um, Gavin, I, you have I, thoughts? And you, 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 you go ahead. I, I, was, I was saying this to you before the show. I think the only time I've ever gone to a bar for a Knicks-related event was the 2019 lottery, uh, which uh, I guess went decently for the Knicks. They ended up with the third pick. But uh, given given the scarring of, of that night missing out on Zion and Ja, I've, I've not – uh, not really done that since I, I would like to this season. Um, but where, where would you recommend Alex? Um, so I would actually say we went uh, for, I believe it was for that meetup and for a couple others to this bar called Slattery's. Uh, it's like on like 40, 40 something, like 44th and sixth or something. I don't know. It's, it's like smack dab in Midtown. If, if you look it up, Matthew, Um and it, it was always a really good time. They were great hosts to us. They let us do an arrangement where we would get like uh, a portion of the overall 
uh, bar tab for the night. I think it was like beer and wine and well drinks would count towards it or something. Uh, not like the, the like top shelf stuff or whatever, but, um, you know, if we would do that, you know, through that, they would give us a portion to give to charity or something like that, which is pretty cool. So nice people run that place. Honestly, though, I don't do a ton of, of Nick's, uh, bar watching either because i live in new jersey <laughs> so i'm not i'm not like trucking it to midtown unless i'm going like to the game itself or going in for an event usually uh that said matthew if you decide to come out to jersey i'd be happy to give you some good recommendations for bars out here granted they'd be uh kind of out in the sticks out where i live <laughs> so that's I, I guess not the best either um but I will say this much with the nice thing about Midtown is that you don't really have to go too far in any given direction, no matter where you're standing to find a pretty cool bar that you can just sort of like take a peer inside the door and see like, all right, does this look like a good bar? Are they playing the Knicks game? Are people invested in it? Uh, there's plenty of Knicks bars like right around MSG. I, I used to actually go to one that was more of a hockey bar, but it closed, unfortunately. Uh, it was called the Flying Puck. My one friend was a uh, a big Rangers fan, so he, we went there and <laughs> racked up a, a legendary bar tab pre-gaming for a Knicks game one time because it was snowing and we couldn't do anything outside. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's uh, unfortunately, that one's closed, though. I think there's another one down there. It's like the something horse or something like that that I went to one time that seemed pretty cool. So I don't know if that one made it through COVID either, because I think that was pre-COVID as well. Unfortunately, that's the case for a lot of places in the city. But there's there's luckily some new uh, uh, places popping up as time goes on, too. So anyway, I think that's a good enough point to end on, unless you had anything else to add there, Gavin. No, that's it. Outside of this stuff, when you're here, Matthew, maybe we could work it out. We could, we could go with you. Um, I, I don't want to speak for Alex, but yeah, you know, you're coming all the way from Scotland. And uh, that would be a good, good time to set up a meetup. So, yeah, well, uh, let us let us know when you're coming for sure. Or or like specifically uh, when you'd want to watch a Knicks game. All right. Well, that's it for today's edition of Locked on Knicks. Thank you all for listening. And we'll be back next week with we've already got a, a nice pre uh, preseason uh, idea planned out. So we're going to have a few episodes for you next week with that. And uh, I'm sure some great guests coming up and everything else, too. So thank you all for listening. Talk to you all soon. Peace out.